Good morning, my friend. I hope you are doing well. I am very excited about something today. It is uh, Thursday morning. I'm going to do a little brain surgery today, so I'll be heading to the hospital soon. But I have got books in my hand. We Yesterday, we got the first shipment uh, of the actual finished book from uh, Penguin Random House. Hope is the first dose of my new book that's coming out on July 18th. And we got the box that we have to send. I got to sign and send out to the endorsers and the people who are helping us get the word out to their social media platforms and all of that. And we have books in my hand. And it's always uh, such an amazing uh, experience for me and Lisa, this book that God put on my heart, you know, a couple of years ago now that we spent so much time and sweat and emotional toil and and uh, energy and vulnerability and all those things to put on paper and then go through the process of pitching it to a publisher and going through that whole experience of having the publisher choose it and accept it and sign a contract and pay for it and all that exciting stuff to validate it. And then there's a whole process after that of editing and cover design and gathering endorsers and starting the marketing and all that stuff. And it's all come together in this the team of professionals at Waterbrook Penguin Random House have got the book and now it's in my hands and it'll be coming to you July 18th. We've got a pre-order campaign that's getting ready to start. I know several of you have already pre-ordered the book. And if you have, we're going to have a link for you pretty soon that you can go to and download a whole bunch of cool stuff. We're going to have some sample chapters. We're going to have some lock screens or home screens for your phone or computer if you want that'll have some of the quotes and artwork from the book. Um, We're also going to have a playlist that we made on Spotify that Lisa and I made that a bunch of songs about uh, hope and pain and doubt and faith and encouragement and just kind of the whole journey of the book. It starts uh, songs about loss and grief and pain, and then it, it morphs into uh, songs about faithfulness and, and and finding hope again and ends on uh, one of my favorite songs of all time, my friend Tommy Walker's song, I Have a Hope. And so we'll be sharing that link to the Spotify platform or the Spotify playlist with you. And so anybody who pre-orders the book before July 18th will have access to all that stuff. Uh, really cool, really cool stuff from the publisher um, that uh, we're excited about giving you that. And so today, um, I got to go to early surgery, so I'm giving you an episode that was season one, episode fifty nine. Came back a long, came out a long time ago, and it was called "The Worst Motivational Speaker Ever." And I just have this sense. I've got this book in my hands. It's going to tell you a couple of things, and one thing it's not going to tell you is that your life is all going to be sunshine and roses and everything's going to work out just right and it's all going to be okay. The book is not going to tell you that. It does actually tell you that it's all going to be okay. But it's not going to be okay if you define an okay life, if you define happiness, if you define hope, if you define the life that means something to you as a life that never has any pain, then I'm sorry, but I have bad news for you. That's not going to happen. These massive things are coming. And so the question is, what do we do to prepare for them? And what do we do when they do happen? And that's what the book's about. It's a treatment plan for recovering from trauma, tragedy, and other massive things. And listen, friend, I'm giving you my best prescriptions for how you can learn self-brain surgery to handle these things and become more resilient and fight for and find hope again. No matter how dark life sometimes feels, it's going to help you. I promise it's going to help you. So today I want to bring back this uh, worst motivational speaker ever episode because I want to remind you that I'm not the guy. If you want somebody to say, as long as you have enough faith, God will heal all your diseases and give you millions of dollars and pat you on the back and put you on a pedestal and your life will be all sunshine and daisies and roses, I'm not your guy. 
I'm going to tell you the truth. Like a good physician, I'm going to put my hand on your knee or hand on your shoulder. And I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to say, listen, this is going to be hard. It's going to leave a mark. It's going to require some surgery on your soul and on your heart. But we're going to get through it because there is hope. There's valid reasons for you to have hope and to fight for the light again, my friend. And you have to change your mind about some things in order to change your life. So we're going to give you this episode, the worst motivational speaker ever. And then I just found a song. It's been out for a while. But there's an incredible song by a guy named Ryan Stevenson. It's called When We Fall Apart. And it's it's incredible, moving, powerful song. And it just kind of put me in the place as I as I opened that book yesterday and looked inside and I see the story of what happened to our son. And, and this book is not a memoir, okay? It's not like I've seen the interview and No Place to Hide where I'm telling a story with some points at the end. It's, it, it's really a, a, a book that's going to help you, but it has to start with understanding what happened to our family, what the massive thing that happened was. So it starts with Mitch, just a little bit of information about what happened with losing our son, and then a lot a lot about what it felt like to lose a son, what it did to our bodies, what it did to our faith, what it did to our family, what it did to our profession. And and you need to know that because when you go through the massive thing, it's going to do some stuff to you. It's going to put you in a place that you didn't think was ever going to be in your life. And so once you get in that place, you need to know what to do next. And that's really what the book is. So the book starts with our story, goes down in the hole, gets really dark and what and what, what happened to us. And then it's about what happened and how we found the light again and how we did that and how you can do it too. And so today I'm just reminding you, I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm a doctor who's going to give you a treatment plan that's going to help you change your mind and change your life. And we're going to finish with this incredible song from Ryan Stevenson. And I hope that it helps you to remember that you can't change your life until you change your mind. But the good news is, my friend, is that you can start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Well, the other day, I made a terrible mistake. You know what I did is I went and read book reviews of some of my books. I don't do that very often, but once in a while... I go out to Goodreads and look at reviews, and I've connected with lots of readers there over the years. It's a great way to build a community as an author, but sometimes reviews can get under your skin. If a couple of authors have told me, don't ever read your reviews, the good ones make you feel better than you should feel, and the bad ones make you feel worse than you should feel, and you just need to trust your work and leave it out there. But once in a while, I'll go read a review, 
And of course, I'm fond of the five-star reviews, and I'm always curious when somebody gives me less than five stars, so I read those reviews from time to time. And it seems like there's always somebody who just completely doesn't get where I'm coming from with something. You really can't do much about that. If somebody just doesn't understand at all what you were trying to get at, you can't fix that. And I often wonder why those folks bother to write reviews at all if they clearly don't even connect with the work, don't understand it. One lady even wrote a one-star review because she said she signed up for a free copy from some program the publisher was running and she never received her book. So she took the trouble to go on to Goodreads and give it a one-star review because she never got to read the book. And I'm like, come on, lady, don't ding my work without even reading it (laughs) just because somebody else let you down. But you really can't help people like that. There was one review of my book, No Place to Hide, though, that I really shook my head at. And it's the reason that I'm talking to you today. Because that person wrote a whole piece about how she said I was writing, uh, I was presenting to the world a flawed theology, that, that I was a false teacher of Scripture. She said I didn't write enough details about my divorce, for example, for her to determine if I had been scripturally okay to divorce. And then I reminded her of Joel Olstein, that my teaching was all about health and wellness, and if you just have enough faith, God will give you whatever you want. They went on to ding my website because they said I didn't have enough Christian content on my homepage. And those were the good parts of the review. But here's the deal, friend. If I'm a motivational speaker, if I'm a health and wellness speaker or preacher, then I'm the worst one in the world. Because unlike Joel Osteen or some of those type of preachers, first of all, I'm not a preacher. But second of all, I am never going to tell you that your faith can protect you from bad things happening in your life. You will never hear me say that. If you spend five seconds listening or reading my stuff, you will never hear that type of message. I am never going to guarantee that God will do anything for you in terms of wealth or protection from illness or trouble. This is not a your best life now kind of show. If that's what you're looking for, you're listening to the wrong podcast and my books will leave you wanting something else. I'm here to tell you one thing. So if you don't get anything else out of all the messages that I present to you through the various forms in which I present them, Get this, life is hard, but God wants you to be happy anyway. God wants you to divorce your circumstance from your peace of mind. And your brain is the organ that can generate that peace of mind and that you can use God-given neuroanatomy and neuroscience facts to teach yourself how to change your mind from the default negatives to the learned positive self-brain surgery. It's not a magic trick. It's hard work. It's not blind faith. The bottom line is you can handle hard things better when you approach life in a generally more positive way. And I can help you learn to do that for yourself. In the last episode, we talked about why I think it's so important to learn to be happy. And I shared this with you. Proverbs fifteen fifteen says, For the despondent, every day brings trouble. But for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. And my friend, you get to decide You're in charge. You have agency and you have power to decide whether you'll be despondent or whether you'll have a happy heart. You don't get to choose all the circumstances of your life, but you do get to choose how you respond to them. And remember what I told you. If you're focused on what's happening to you, you'll never be able to see what God is trying to do through you. So this morning, we're going to talk about why I'm the worst motivational speaker in the world. 
why I don't put a cross or a picture of Jesus on my homepage, and why I'm always harping on the importance of learning how to change your mind. Remember, recently we've been doing these Infinitely Happier podcasts because it's kind of the frame around which I'm building the next book I'm going to write. And in Proverbs 17, 27 and 28 in the Passion Translation, it says this, Can you bridle your tongue when your heart is under pressure? That's how you show that you're wise. An understanding heart keeps you cool, calm, and collected no matter what you're facing. And that, my friend, is one of the secrets to becoming infinitely happier. Not just bridling your heart, but learning how to get a handle on your brain and control and manage and improve how you think is the key to staying cool, calm, and collected whatever life throws at you. And that's the key to becoming infinitely happier. It feels like the world is on fire right now. Everybody's stressed out. Everybody's afraid. But you don't have to be. And we're going to learn how to stay hopeful no matter what we're facing. So get ready to spend a half hour with me, with the worst motivational speaker you've ever heard, because I'm not going to tell you that it's all going to be, that it's all going to be good. But I will teach you how to know that it's going to be okay anyway. And I'll teach you how. To start today. All right, so this morning we're going to talk about why, number one, I am the worst motivational speaker in the world, and number two, why I don't put a cross or a picture of Jesus up on my homepage, and number three, why I'm always harping on the importance of changing your mind. Like I said earlier, it feels like the world's going crazy right now. Everybody's stressed out. Everybody's afraid. Everybody's upset about something, but friend, you don't have to be. You don't have to be afraid, and you don't have to be stressed out no matter what's going on around you. And we're going to learn today how to stay hopeful no matter what we're facing. Like I said, I might be the worst motivational speaker you've ever heard because I'm never going to tell you that it's all going to be good. But I will teach you how to know that it's going to be okay anyway. And today, we'll use Romans 12 and some other scriptures to show you why self-brain surgery is biblical and why it's necessary. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. In fact, the whole the whole chapter is worth going through in, in terms of transforming your life. But chapter, chapter 12 and verse 2 says this in the English Standard Version. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let me read that again. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Friend, listen. This is self-brain surgery. All the way back in the first century, God says, I can transform your life if you'll let me change how you think. And that's all there is to it. You want to know why I'm not a Joel Osteen type preacher? Number one, I'm not a preacher. And number two, because I don't write or speak mainly to Christians. There's a difference between being a Christian author compared to being a Christian who's also an author. It would be easy for me, I think, to write inspirational books. I could get in that mode. I'm, I'm good at motivating and inspiring people. But that's not authentic for me. I'm not authentic when I try to just write a sort of a happy-go-lucky sort of everything's-going-to-work-out-okay sort of idea because my books are messy. My life has been messy. It's not all been good, and I bet yours hasn't either. And I'm called to write what I know about, and what I know about, unfortunately, is a specialty in medicine where there's a lot of sadness and there's a lot of trouble. 
and I also know about war and divorce and losing a child. Those are the things that I know, and that's where my writing comes from. But there's also something else, and and part of it is one of the reasons that I don't come directly from a Christian front perspective on everything I write is that I love and I hurt for science people. Science people struggle. I struggled for years with my education because you're presented with this idea that it's just a fact that there's no God. You are presented with the idea that if you believe in a supernatural being, that you're an idiot, that you're not really a scientist. They have co-opted the, the small letter S science and the big letter S science and made this system where you're supposed to check your brain at the door and you're only supposed to believe what they tell you. And I have a hurting heart for people that are stuck in that mode where they're smart and God wired them to be intellectual and creative scientifically, but they're supposed to check their beliefs at the door because everybody agreed before they even started discovering anything that there was no God. And we've talked about that before, and this is not the purpose of this episode, but I have a heart for smart people who can't see what God's really doing. Also, as an aside, I would love to be political on this podcast. I I love to talk about politics, but I'm not called to write about that. That's not my platform. I'll give you a hint, though. Ecclesiastes 10.2 says, A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. I'll just leave you with that. (laughs) Romans 12.3 is basically my mission statement. It's another way of describing the thought biopsy technique that I'm always talking about. Here's what it says. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Listen. We're supposed to be honest with ourselves about what we're feeling or thinking. We're not supposed to be artificially um, positive about ourselves to blow everything up and make ourselves big-headed and think we're better than we are. But we're also not supposed to live our lives thinking that everything is wrong with us. And that's what the world will do. It'll trick you into either being arrogant if you compare yourself to others, if you allow yourself to live in that comparison trap, or you can end up feeling negative and inferior to others all the time. And that's not what God says. Just look at it honestly. That's why I'm always talking about doing a thought biopsy, learning how to actually think about your thinking and being realistic about what you're dealing with. And that's how you get better. Wherever you are, whatever the diagnosis really is about who you really are, you can make it better from there. So unless you're my wife or my mom or my sister or one of my good friends, it's likely that you're not listening to me because I'm a great writer or a motivational person. You're listening to me most likely because I'm a neurosurgeon. Lisa, help me see that. My authority as a writer comes out of my experience as a neurosurgeon, not because I'm a famous preacher. My authority to speak to you comes from my training and my experience as a surgeon and a scientist. That's what gives me credibility. Otherwise, I'm just a kid who grew up in Oklahoma. But because I'm trained as a neurosurgeon, you come to me and you listen to me because I've got a perspective that is perhaps interesting and perhaps authoritative in certain areas, right? We seek out subject matter experts to learn from. So I'm coming to you with the message that your brain and your mind are the keys to your life being as happy as it could be. That's it. That's my platform. Your brain and your mind are the keys to your life being as happy as it could be, but only with the addition of faith, and I believe faith in Jesus Christ, can it be actually all it's designed to be. So the difference between just being a little bit happier 
like Dan Harris's 10% Happier, and being infinitely happier to the level that you are designed to be comes down to faith, in my opinion. That's it. That is my platform in a nutshell. And there's no cross on my homepage, and here's why. We've got some blackbirds in our backyard. They're red-winged blackbirds. They're beautiful. But, boy, they are a nuisance. They're bullies. They run everybody else off the bird feeder. They eat all the bird seed. They make a big racket, and there's hundreds of them in our backyard. And we'll get these beautiful goldfinches and cardinals and other birds, and then the blackbirds will come in and just run them all off. And so I've been trying to kill them. (laughs) Haven't had any luck yet because as soon as they see my shadow coming around the the corner of the room or the corner of the house, they all fly off. They're they're suspicious, and they're flighty. They're sketchy. They don't want to be around around people. And so as soon as I stick my head around the corner – and they figure out there's a person there, they're gone. And that's the same thing that science people, atheists, skeptics do. When they get a hint that you're trying to come at them with some God stuff, they're out. So I don't hide who I am. If you listen to me for five seconds, if you look at any of my stuff, you read any of my things, you know I'm a Christian from page one all the time. You always do. But if I if I put it out there on the homepage, if I put a big cross or welcome to my Christian writing site, those folks are never going to go past that first click. And I've got friends, in fact, you've heard them on this podcast, my friend David. He's searching, seeking. They'll be back someday. You'll hear him again, but he's, he's going through some stuff right now. But he's one of those guys that if I sort of made you go through my filter of Christian first, instead of being my friend first or learning to trust me and learning to, to follow what I have to say and what I think about, then they'll never get there. And so I'm not hiding. I'm not hiding behind anything. I'm just trying to create a welcoming environment where everybody can feel comfortable to listen and think and have a safe place to explore what they might be feeling. And so I don't hide who I am, but I want you to get your feet wet first, to feel safe, to be drawn into the conversation and not just be run off by too much upfront Christian stuff. But you can't separate the Christian from the author in me because I'm a Christian who is an author. And all of my stuff, all of my work comes out of my experience as a neurosurgeon and my life as a person of faith. And this person who's been through a lot of hard things, all of that congealed into who I am. It's in everything I do. Nobody who knows me or reads me or listens to me gets very far without hearing about God, but I don't have to rub it in your face because I'm not writing to win you over to my perspective. That's the thing. I'm not here to try to convince you that I'm right. I'm writing to try to explain to myself how to hold up when life is so very hard and how to find God there. Our friend Kristen Smedley, who was recently on the podcast, said it very well. When she found out her son was blind, she wanted to know where in the world God was. And so do I a lot of the time. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. You see, smart people, science people, sometimes are so wise in their own eyes that they can't see God. They think he's foolish, but the reality is that God catches them in their craftiness. There's, that eventually they'll see that there's something beyond what they thought. That's where I came to. And that's the problem with a lot of smart people. They're always too smart for their own good. And it's easy to get trapped in knowledge and never yield to belief. That's pretty much what my last book was about, right? I've seen the interview, Faith, Doubt, and the Things We Think We Know. Psalm 14.1 calls it straight. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. 
It's foolish to believe that you can know everything about the universe. It's foolish to believe that you can determine that there is no God because that's pretty much the most unscientific idea that there is, that you could know that. So I don't want to be like the people Paul was talking about in 2 Timothy 3, 7 when he says, they're always learning but never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to study science my whole life and learn all these things but never figure out the actual truth. And that, my friend, is part of my platform. Psalm ten four said the wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead. But listen to me. So my dad would say, look in my eyes. God is not dead. I know he's not dead because he's met me in the darkest places and the darkest moments of my life. He's kept promises to me when bombs were exploding all around me in Iraq and in my first marriage. And he's moved in close like he said he would in Psalm thirty four eighteen when my son Mitch died. And look, the Bible says it clearly. God hates divorce. And if you've ever been there, you'll know why. Whatever reasons might have led you to a divorce if you've been through one, you know, even if, if those reasons were valid and necessary, you know that it's hard and it never stops hurting. And I have to live every day of my life wondering if I satisfied Romans twelve eighteen when he says, do all that you can as far as it is possible for you live in peace with everyone. But I don't need to write to you about that. That's not my platform. What I can tell you is I've written about it in both of my books and it never stops hurting, even when it was necessary and when it was right. Broken relationships leave marks that follow everybody involved. And God doesn't want you to feel that. But he also doesn't stop loving you when you go through something like that. And he can always redeem even the hardest things that happen in our lives. It's not some book reviewer's job to know if my divorce was necessary or biblical. And it's not my job to try to convince you whether it was or wasn't either. I'm called to tell you that no matter what, God loves you and wants you to find your way to him. I read something recently that our friend Morgan posted on social media. It said something basically like this. No matter how good of a person you are, you're the bad guy in somebody's story. And that's mostly true. Even if I wrote a whole book about my divorce, for example, or any other part of my life, there would be a whole different story from somebody else's perspective that you wouldn't get to hear. And my editors wouldn't let me do that anyway because that other person has a story that's valid. And the lawyers wouldn't let me either. So here's what you have to know. I'm willing to share some of the hard parts of my life with you because I know it will help you Find your feet when life knocks you down. By seeing how we land on hope when hard things happen, then maybe you'll land on hope too. That's why I'm here. So don't please don't infer from anything I say or don't say that my theology is giving a pass to divorce or that it's promising you some unlimited power from God to make your whole life work out like a fairy tale because that's not biblical. And anybody who says otherwise isn't reading the same book that I am. Hear me now. Listen, trust me when I say this. Life is hard. It is full of tough things because there's sin and there's death in the world. And your life will have some storms. But God is good. He is so good. And he loves you. And he gave you a brain. And that brain is hardwired to remember and focus on the bad stuff, on the hard stuff, about five times more powerfully than the positive things. The neuroscience is how it's built the way it is 
to keep us from harm when we're little, when we're trying to learn our way in the world. When we touch the hot stove once, your God wired you so that your brain remembers that so powerfully that you don't have to touch it again to check and see if it's really hot. But the problem is those same synapses and pathways follow us around and they try to make us think the whole world is dangerous. They try to make us think everything is negative all the time, but you can fix that with self-brain surgery, which is why I'm here. Remember Romans 12, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I'll leave you with that. They say that neurons that fire together wire together. In other words, you can make those negative synapses come into your control by learning how to harness them. You can train your neurons to understand what's real and what's not real about your thinking. You can train them to build new and healthier patterns of thoughts over time. And that will lead to better better decisions. And better decisions will lead to better actions. And better outcomes will lead to... To uh, better actions will lead to better outcomes in your life. My friend Gordon Livingston said, you're not what you think and you're not what you feel. You're what you do. But you do better things when you think better thoughts. And you think better thoughts when you learn to understand that the automatic ones are usually incorrect. And it's self-malpractice to react to the first thought that you have all the time. All of this, my friend, will lead to increased happiness. Why do I care about you being happy? Well, the whole last episode was about that. But the bottom line is this, because Jesus said he came here to give you abundant abundance in your life. And so that means since Jesus came here and lived this life and died for you, you deserve to have what he offered you, which was happiness in this life, an eternal life later, but happiness now. And people who are happier, they have less trouble. They drink less. They make better financial decisions. They perform better at work. They have better relationships. And they break generational issues like poverty and alcoholism and abuse because they decide that it's going to stop with them. It's not going to pass on to that next generation. Happier people make better decisions. Happier people have happier lives. And it's not because they've had some health and wellness preacher tell them that God's always going to make everything okay. Because, friend, again... God is not always going to make everything in the short term okay, but he can make it work out and he can make you feel better while you're going through it. Because even if you're having a rough time, if your attitude is better, your life will be better. I'm going to leave you with this today. The great philosopher, the 1970s era songwriter Roger Miller said this, you can't roller skate in a buffalo herd, but you can be happy if you've a mind to. And he's right. You can be happy, friend, but you can't change your life until you change your mind. I try not to read book reviews, and I never respond to them, but I thought this one was apropos for me to discuss since it's been a while since I gave you an overview of what I do. Once in a while, a writer, a podcaster needs to kind of cover for new people, in case they haven't gone all the way back, kind of cover why they're here. And this is why I'm here. I'm here to help you understand that you're going to have tough times in your life and that your brain is hardwired to focus on those hard things, but that you'll never actually really be happy if you don't learn how to challenge those automatic negative thoughts and turn them into something more useful. 
neurons that fire together, wire together, and you're in control of building new synapses. And that you can't really be fully abundant and free and happy in your life, infinitely happier if you will, until you understand that that stuff is built by a loving God who designed you carefully to be right where you are in your life. And that your future can be bright no matter how dark your past has been and no matter what circumstances or path or storms you're going to face, you can still be happy. You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. But you can be happy if you have a mind to. So here's the question for you. Are you ready to break free from negative thinking? Are you ready to break free from the things that have been holding you back in your life? Are you ready to transform your mind like Paul said in Romans 12? If you're ready, you need to crack open that skull of yours and change your mind. I'm probably the worst motivational speaker ever because I absolutely promise you that you're going to have some hard times in the days ahead. But I also promise you you can be happy if you got a mind to. This is self-brain surgery, friend. It's biblical, it's consistent with neuroscience, and it's just good self-care. It will help, but you have to start today. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day. Close your eyes and say